This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Well, hello. Good morning. Welcome to Christian Chapel. Um, As Pastor Chris said, I'm Amy, and I get to work with our chapel kids. And I just first of all want to say what an honor and blessing it is to get to serve your kids every week. Um, I love it. They are amazing and so much fun. Um, I never in a million years thought that I would be doing what I'm doing, and that's a story for another time. But I'm just so thankful that God um, led me to this and just very honored and blessed to do it. So I'm also very excited to speak with you guys this morning. And we're going to talk about an aspect of Thanksgiving. And actually with our kids, last week we started a series on Thanksgiving. And we're actually over there, we're talking about the giving part of Thanksgiving but I kind of um, conducted a little bit of a social experiment with our kiddos last week, and I said, okay, what, um, what holiday is coming up next? And a lot of them immediately went straight to Christmas. Yeah, they yelled it out, Christmas. They were very excited. Um, but we did have a few kids who uh, quite indignantly pointed out that Thanksgiving is first. We can't forget about Thanksgiving. And it was interesting because the way that they came to the defense of Thanksgiving would be like they were trying to stick up for that overlooked kid in PE who was the last one chosen for the, the team. Which, by the way, if you're a PE teacher, don't do that. It's not nice. I speak from personal experience. As someone who's not athletic or coordinated, I, someone else put this up here for me, not because it's too heavy, but because carrying and walking. And I mean, I fell on the stairs one time, some of you might know, coming up on the stage. Um, If you need a a picture, there's a video out there somewhere. But anyway, I'm not the most coordinated person, so I was usually chosen last um, for stuff. So it's demoralizing. So just just, just my own little opinion on that one. But anyway, regardless of that, let's let's move on. I think I'm going to get off on a tangent here in a minute. But okay, so besides that, so let's go back to the Thanksgiving thing. So Thanksgiving can a lot of times be overlooked because of the busyness and the all-consumingness of Christmas. Christmas can take over a lot of stuff. Now, I do love Christmas. I love every part of it. I like to celebrate it as much as I possibly can for as long as I possibly can, as much as my middle kid will allow, because he is one of those, like, Thanksgiving has to have its place first, and then we do Christmas. And so we try to honor that as well. But, um, but Christmas can kind of overtake Thanksgiving. We had an intern here at Christian Chapel one time who observed that the Christmas season is kind of like finals for moms. I was like, that's pretty accurate. (laughs) Only it doesn't last just a week and you don't get a five-week break afterwards. So besides that, it's just like finals. But anyway, sorry to our college students. Finals is a big deal and I'm praying for you for real. I know. I know it's really hard. But Anyway, the business of, busyness of Christmas can really just overtake everything. So before we jump into that season, let's stop for a moment and think about Thanksgiving. And I want to talk to you about an aspect of Thanksgiving, which is giving thanks, about having gratitude. And so um, a lot of times we take moments in Thanksgiving where we pause and we think of the things we're grateful for. Maybe you have this practice around your Thanksgiving table at dinner time, where everyone takes a turn saying what they're thankful for. Now this can be a really sweet, kind, and special, sentimental moment. It can also be a mess, depending on who's at your table. So if you have toddlers at your table, this could be kind of challenging because they just want to eat or get down. 
Um, teenagers, same thing for the same reasons. They either just want to eat or leave the table, so they just kind of want to be done with it. If you have anybody at your table who is hangry, maybe dinner's run a little bit longer, they're starting a little bit later, and they're like, I just want to eat. And that can be, you know, they, they might be a little forced in the gratitude um, aspect of the dinner. Or if dinner preparation didn't go well, the people who made the dinner might feel a little sour toward gratitude. We had that happen at our Thanksgiving a few years ago. Where none of the food turned out how we hoped. Um, the mashed potatoes were like wallpaper paste in taste and texture. I mean, I've never actually tasted wallpaper paste, but I can imagine now what it tastes like. Um, the turkey was really dry, and all the desserts were sugar-free. So that was um, something. <laughs> it was kind of hard to be grateful at the, around the table for that, um, that experience. But regardless what it looks like around your Thanksgiving table this week, we want to talk about how gratitude is not just a feel-good emotion that we're supposed to um, relay once a year around the table, but it's actually a godly emotion that should be a daily part of our lives. So just to kind of give you an idea of what we're going to do this morning, um, we're going to anchor ourselves in two verses of the scripture, but then we're just really going to kind of be all over the Bible, looking at examples of gratitude and how we should be showing it and in what circumstances, and then we're going to look at what it means for us. And then finally, this, eve this morning, I want to give us a chance to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us about gratitude. So our scriptures are going to start today in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of times when we get to this passage, we really focus on the in all circumstances part of the verse, giving thanks no matter what. And we're going to get to that later on. But I want to look at, first of all, the end of the verses where it says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And that means that rejoicing always, praying continually, and giving thanks are things that God wills for us to be engaged in as followers of him, something that we should be doing as a daily part of our lives. Now, to rejoice always and pray continually doesn't mean that all you do in your life is you walk around worshiping and praying. Otherwise, it's, you're going to kind of be weird, and no one's going to want to be able to, to hang out with you because you're not able to interact with people and lead them to Jesus, okay? Um, but what we're talking about is having a mindset of worship and prayer all the time. And Smith Wigglesworth said it well. He once said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. So what we're doing, we're doing here, we're talking about being constantly in connection with God. If we really truly believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and that he's with us all the time, then our connection to him should always be there. It should never be broken. And so we should always be in a mindset or an attitude of worship and prayer. And the thing about that is if we always are in that mindset, then the giving thanks part of that verse should come naturally to us because we are focused on um, we're focused on God and his goodness and his presence and his power. And then that give thanks should naturally flow out of that. When we have an attitude of worship and prayer, we can more easily see God at work. Now, I, um, I know some of us might be more naturally optimistic than others. My husband is naturally an optimistic person. Um, I'm actually not as natural of an optimist as he is. Some of you might be surprised by that. Um, I definitely have some pessimistic tendencies that the Holy Spirit is working out in my life. But re regardless of whether you are a glass half empty or a glass half full person, um, we are all called to show gratitude. And we're called to show it not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. So let's take a look at some of those circumstances. Okay? And I want us to start with the easiest circumstance in which for us to give thanks, and that is when things go great. 
when we see God move in a powerful way, it is natural for us to want to pour out gratitude and thankfulness to God for when he moves. And the best example of this in the Bible is with the Israelites when they were rescued from slavery in Egypt. So it had been a couple hundred years they had been enslaved in Egypt, and God called Moses to go and to get them out of Egypt. And so God led Moses to do amazing things in the presence of Pharaoh, to cause Pharaoh to change his mind and to let them go. And then once they leave, as you all know probably, Pharaoh changes his mind again, and he chases the Israelites back, and they are now between the Egyptian army and a giant body of water called the Red Sea. And God, in a miraculous fashion, parts the Red Sea. The Israelites walk across on dry ground. This is a huge moment in the Israelites' history. It's a huge moment of um, provision and miracles for them. And so they pour out a song of gratitude to God for this. Exodus 15, 1 through 2. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And this song of gratitude goes on to just celebrate God's faithfulness and his provision for the Israelites, and a big, big moment for them. Now, for us, when we receive an answer to prayer, when God comes through in a powerful way, it is, it is fitting, and gratitude should be the first response that we have. Gratitude to God for what he's done, okay? This is why we've placed an emphasis on our chapel praise story this, this whole year, to stop and thank God for the things he's done, to remember his faithfulness, and to encourage others in our lives who are maybe dealing with things in their own lives. As, we, as I stand here and speak to you, I see that our, that our Parker family is here today, okay? And if you don't know their story, they experienced a really horrific car accident a couple weeks ago. And they're here as a testimony to God's gratefulness and his gratitude. Okay, so yeah, we can pour out. We can pour out our praise to God because we see right here an example of him moving. And it's, a, it's fitting and normal for us to want to give him gratitude, and we should. We should pour out our thanks when we see him move in powerful ways, Okay. And so, but let's go back to the Israelites for a second, okay? Because the Israelites, they were super grateful for what God had brought them through. Very, very thankful, excited, worshipful. And then they start their journey. And about a week in, things aren't going great. There's no food. There's no water to drink. And they start grumbling. So let's look at Exodus 16.3. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... I know, a little dramatic, right? There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Okay? They forgot about the God who removed an entire body of water for them just a few days ago, okay? because now they don't have food and water. And not making light of their situation, it was a, it was a serious situation, but they had forgotten about the giver of all things who provided for them in a powerful way. Okay? They had lost sight of the gratitude because... The prayer that they had gotten answered created new challenges, and then they forgot to give gratitude in that, okay? And so we see that at work in our own lives. Maybe you prayed for that baby, and God finally answered your prayer, and you have that baby. Now they're three. You haven't slept since then. You've maybe taken 12 showers, and you eat dry Cheerios for lunch, okay? And you're sitting there thinking, why did I pray for this, okay? Or maybe you're the boss now. You got the job, and now you realize what the boss before you left, because you've got the same employees that he did, and it's not going great, 
Okay? Maybe it's a lot more work than you expected, or you finally got approved to be in charge of that project you've been wanting to lead. And the headaches and the extra work and the extra responsibility is more than you expected. Okay? We kind of see this work here at Christian Chapel with um, the growth we're experiencing. We are growing, which is amazing, but there's something called growing pains that you experience as well, which is why we have three services right now. And just as we're, we're so excited because we've been praying for God to allow us to be able to reach more kids and more teenagers, more college students, more families, more adults, so that more people can experience God's life-changing presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. And as God answers those prayers, we find out, oh, we don't have space over here. We don't have space over here. We don't, we're running out of space over here. Um, and so when we get to those situations, it's easy for us to forget about the fact that we have, a, we have had a mighty prayer answered. And so it's important that we still show gratitude even in the middle of those challenges. And I think the best example of someone doing that would be Joseph, who showed gratitude even in the middle of the difficulties that a dream realized brought him. Now, Pastor Mike preached about Joseph a couple weeks ago, about his whole life. And if you need a refresher on his life, you can listen to his sermon. I don't have time to go through all the details of his life. But we know that he started out with this trouble when he was sold by his brothers as a slave. Okay? Then he ended up in prison unjustly and finally ended up as the second in command under Pharaoh in the palace. We kind of call it from the pit to the prison to the palace. And the idea being the palace is kind of like he has reached the, the pinnacle now. He is at that moment. He's fulfilling God's dream for his life. He is doing all the things that God has called him to do. He is positioned perfectly in a place now where he can make a difference to save the lives of his entire family, okay? And so this was God's big dream come true for him, right? So he's walking in this big dream. But if you are in any kind of management position at all in your job, um, think for a minute about what Joseph's role actually was, okay? So let's look at this. Genesis 41, 47 to 49. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sands of the sea, it was so much that he, kept, he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. So Joseph was in charge of gathering all the grain in all of Egypt, putting it in storehouses, making sure it was organized, making sure it was counted, making sure it was in a place where it would stay safe. And this wasn't just like a weekend project. He did this for seven years, okay? And then the famine starts, and he has a whole other boat of problems here. Look at Genesis 41, 55 to 57. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. All the world came to Joseph. All the world. Okay, imagine that for a minute. Okay, as difficult as it was for him to save up all the grain, now he had the, the task of trying to make sure that everybody got the right amount and it was fair and, and nobody left hungry. Okay, I don't know if you've ever fed for a large crowd of people. The largest crowd of people I've ever fed for is about 40 kids, but they were all high school swimmers. They eat a lot of food um, because they're just burning calories like crazy. But by the time I finished prepping, buying, serving, cleaning up, all of that, I was pretty exhausted 
But let's talk about our Wednesday night kitchen ladies for a minute. And men, there's some men on that team. Yeah, let's give them, yeah. Give them a hand. Yeah. They cook every week for at least a couple hundred people, okay? This is a, a massive undertaking, okay? And now, granted, granted, Joseph didn't have to prepare the food, right? Okay, but he still had to make sure it was all delivered and, and where it was supposed to be, when it was supposed to be, to who it was supposed to be to. This is a lot of responsibility and probably a lot of stress. But we really don't see any indication in the Bible of Joseph grumbling about it because he had a different perspective than the Israelites did. He was able to see the purpose for it and still have a heart of gratitude. And so he says in Genesis 45, 7, to his brothers, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it's important that we show gratitude when God answers prayers, even when the answered prayers create another prayer request for God to provide, give us more mercy, more provisions, okay? Now, the hardest time for us to give thanks is when we're going through difficult times, when we have had a trial, when we're waiting on a promise, we're waiting for a miracle, we're waiting for a breakthrough. And when we have those moments, gratitude for God's sustaining power is not just an act of worship, it becomes an act of faith during those moments. And we see this all through Psalms. David modeled this a lot. If you read through the Psalms, you'll see a lot of Psalms, the first half of the Psalm is David asking for God to deliver him, for him to help him, to rescue him. And then the end of the Psalm is, is David pouring out his praise. He's giving gratitude before he receives the answer. And I'm just going to read one of those examples to you today from Psalm 28, 6 to 7. David said, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. He was able to show his gratitude before the answer even came. And then I also want to share with you from probably the most famous Old Testament prophet, Habakkuk. Anybody ever heard of him? Okay. He is a real person, and there's a real book of the Bible named Habakkuk. And it's a really great book, actually. It's only three chapters, so you should read it. But I'm going to read to you the end of Habakkuk. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines... Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. He's declaring that it doesn't matter what's going on, what my circumstance is, I am going to worship. I'm going to praise God no matter what. David and Habakkuk both understood something really important that we need to understand today. Our gratitude shouldn't originate from what God does for us. It should originate from who God is. And when we see who God is, we are able to worship him for who he is. It recenters our minds and our hearts and our souls, and we can better see our circumstances in the context of his love and his plans for us. That's not an easy thing to do, and this is where the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit helps us. And Paul tells us this in Philippians 4, 12 to 13. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So Paul is saying that he is able to do this because of the Holy Spirit inside. Even if he was a natural optimist, he didn't give that the credit for how he can be happy no matter what. He gives it to the fact that the Holy Spirit's inside of him. And when we rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us, then we can have gratitude in any circumstance, no matter what's going on. And so something else we need to be real is about gratitude is it's not just about being optimistic or looking on the bright side of life, but it actually is a spiritual discipline. 
kind of along the lines of prayer, Bible reading, giving, things that you kind of need to like do so you can get better at it and to become more and more natural. Gratitude's the same way. The more you do it, the more you engage in gratitude, the more natural it becomes, the easier it is to do it. And so I just want to encourage you to find a, a natural rhythm of gratitude in your life. And it could be different depending on your personality, your life, whatever is going on in your life. It could be that you journal gratitude. It could be that first thing in the morning, at, at night, you, you verbalize gratitude. Maybe as a family, you sit down and, and you know, one thing you're grateful for. You know, don't let any of your kids off the hook. They can come up with something, I promise. I promise they can. And don't let them use the same thing every night either. We've experienced that. You, can't, you, said, you did that last week. You did that yesterday. Gotta, gotta, gotta get a new one, okay? But, but there, are, there are things you can do, okay? Or hopefully you all brush your teeth at least once a day, hopefully twice a day. But maybe when you're brushing your teeth, you take time for gratitude. Maybe while you're driving in your car, something you do every day that you can take that time and make it a natural part of your life. And the more you do it, easier it's going to be and the more natural it's going to be and the more that's going to be your default when things go on okay in your life let's look at psalm 107:1. give thanks to the lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever the verse doesn't say give thanks to the lord because he gives me everything i need or give thanks to the lord because he answers all my prayers exactly how i want them and when i want them I'm saying give thanks to the lord because he's good because his love endures forever we're worshiping him because of his, who he is Okay, first and foremost, we worship God for who he is, not because of what he does for us. And we got to remember, there's always something to be grateful for because God is always with us. And his faithful presence is everything that we need. So as we get ready to conclude this morning, I'm going to give us all a chance to practice what I'm preaching, is for us to practice gratitude this morning. And so, you know, there are places and there are times for us to be grateful for God's provisions and his blessings and the things he does for us. We talked about our chapel praise stories earlier. Those are biblical. They're life-giving and they're faith-building for us to share what God has done to, so, so that we and the people around us can hear and worship and celebrate with us. Those are all very good things. But what I want us to focus on this morning is just gratitude for who God is. I want us to take some time this morning and show our gratitude for God, for the person of God. Because when we understand who he is, when we understand that he, his presence is all sufficient for everything we need, when we understand that he's all knowing, that he is all powerful, that he goes before us, that he holds everything in his hand, that he sees you and he knows you and he loves you more than you can imagine. When we see that, that we see that we are his sons and we are his daughters. When we understand who God is, it gives us a bigger and clearer picture of what we, he can do for us. It increases our ability to see him at work and it builds our faith to see that he can continue to be at work. And the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so this morning, I wanna encourage you to draw near to God. And we're gonna do that together as a community this morning. We're gonna spend some time focusing on God. And if you have needs this morning, guess what? God knows that, okay? But I want you during worship today to lay those things down at his feet and just look to him this morning. Praise him, worship him, give him the honor that's due his name because he's worthy and he's holy and he's righteous and he's faithful. So I'd invite you to stand, please. And I wanna encourage you this morning, let's just make this place a place full of praise to our creator. So I'm gonna pray for us. The worship team is gonna lead us in a, in a song this morning and we're just gonna lift our hearts and our, and our voices to our savior. God, we love you. You are worthy you are faithful, you are righteous. 
And God, we just want to now pour out our gratitude to you for who you are. God, your word says that you inhabit the praise of your people. So Spirit of God, we ask right now that you would inhabit our praise. As we focus on you in this place, would you meet us here? We just want to focus on you this morning, God. We love you. Thank you for who you are. Please meet with us as we worship. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.